Okay, Romans 8 and 11. I'd like to see the place full, but it's going to be full one of these days. I didn't mean I'm, I'm not sad because people are not here. I wish they were here, but I'm not going to be sad over it. Because we got a Christ living in us gives us joy unspeakable and full of glory. He's inside of us. He lives inside of us. Okay, Romans 8 and 11, if you would please. Romans 8 and 11. The Apostle Paul writing here. But if the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, or otherwise liveth in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body or mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. We're going to preach from the subject this morning, the great Jesus. Napoleon Bonaparte in his time was one of the world's greatest conquerors this world has ever seen. He conquered the known world. But he said, I have researched men's life all the way back before Jesus was born. Then I've searched as far forward as I could after Jesus' birth. I find no man equal to Jesus Christ. I want you to know there's no thing in this world, no man in this world before or after is equal to Jesus Christ. There's none like him in all the land. The woman to the well went and told the whole city, said, come and see the man that told me everything I did. That whole city came out to see this man that told her everything she'd ever done because there's no one like Jesus. The greatness of Jesus is inside of us. You ought to say amen. If you're a Christian been born again, Christ lives inside you. He makes his abode in there. He lives. He's not on vacation. He's not planning on making no trip. But he's going to live inside of it. Jesus was born in a manger. His parents were poor. Shepherds brought him gifts. Rich men brought him gifts. He went into Egypt for 10 years because he's already two years old when he goes there. But God financed. That's what the rich men did. They brought his finances to finance him 10 years while he was in Egypt and in his family. Then God called him out and come back. He was a man that's acquainted with grief like no man on this earth has ever been acquainted with grief the way he is. He was despised and rejected of all men. He was not pleasant to look upon. His features were not something you would desire. He picked 12 men after praying all night, and one of them was the devil. So don't get discouraged because you pray all night. Don't nothing happen the way you want it to happen. He had one that was the devil, stole from the treasury. He never corrected him that we know of. He never discharged him. He just left him there. He asked the three his best men, Peter, James, and John, to go to the Garden of Gethsemane with him to pray and pray with him. They went to sleep. The Bible said he was sorrowful unto death, but he prayed more earnestly. Sweat the great drops of blood poured out of him. And they carried him to Pilate's hall. And there they examined him. 
and carried him to the cross, only one disciple shows up. The other ten don't show up, just one. You would think he would, ministry had failed. Here he is all along crying, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? And everybody has left him. But there he is. Take him down, put him in a tomb, and three days, he told him, in three days I'll raise this body up myself. Because the Spirit of God lived inside of him, and he got out of that grave. For 40 days, he appeared to 500 brethren at one time with signs, miracles, and wonders. Then he told them to go back to Jerusalem and tarry until you receive the promise and you shall receive power from on high. They go back. They have a promise from the Lord himself, a prophetic promise that the promise was theirs. But they had to pray 10 days in unity and one accord. For 10 days they prayed until that promise would come. Elijah prayed for the rain. When he got word, there's a sign out there, the abundance of rain. He kept praying, Brother Clayton. He didn't quit praying. He kept praying. Come on, church. I don't care what's happening in your life. Just keep praying. The abundance is a coming. The rain is a coming. The things are coming. They prayed 10 days without wavering, without doubting, praying for the promise. You got to pray for the promise. You got to pray for the promises of God to come in and the Holy Ghost and fire fill that place. And after the flood came, Elijah got up because he knew God had fulfilled a promise. They had been having some issues. They hadn't been too good. He went to the doctor. Three days later, tremendous pain, couldn't stand it no more, went to the emergency room, had x-rays, a few more days, terrible thing. Carried her to the doctor in Texarkana. They run some x-rays. The doctor's here when they run x-rays, said you got to look like a tumor or something on your kidney and it may be cancer. You know, anytime you hear that word cancer, you know what has happened to your face. Goes up there and runs some x-rays. He said, that's not your problem, the, the thing on your kidney. He said, you got to rub your disc back there. And he Showed the picture of it. Said that be easily fixed. Said I'll give you a copy of the film. You can take to the surgeon that does it. They don't like to read letters. They just like to look at the pictures. I mean, you know, if you can ever get a picture of what Jesus is for you, if you can get ever picture of what Jesus is in your life, if you can ever get a hope that Christ is inside of us, He's not on a vacation. We don't have to pray for Him to come. He's already here. He's abiding in us. How many feel Him this morning? Amen. We, we, we feel him in our lives. And he said, I don't believe your problems with that spot on your kidneys. It's cancer. It could be. But the main way to settle that was the neurologist. I don't know. A day or two, God healed her of that ruptured disc. I said, God healed her of that ruptured disc. Been having passing blood. Dr. Dan said, you need to go see Dr. Balmain. We did. They run one test and we don't see anything. It causes that. Got to do one more. They finally called and said, we got your appointment with a urologist. You want a woman or a man? Peggy said, don't make no difference for me. She, she said, well, we'll just give you a woman. I said, okay. We go up there and go in there. 
This woman looked like she just got out of grade school. Uh, Y'all know what I mean? Looked like she sort of still been in grade school. She was another nationality, probably from another country. She brought that iPad in there and sat down. She opened that up and showed Peggy that place on her kidneys. So now all that is is a water spot. Hallelujah. Hmm? All that is is a water spot. She punched a few buttons. That thing turned around to another side and said, Now you see this side. Said, You see them little white spots? Said, That all that is just little white spots. Said, There's nothing to be worried about. It's just there because of age. Hmm? What I'm going to try to you this morning, Christ is alive. He's not on vacation. Let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. Let the God that says, I'm your healer, let him be God. As they sang the song this morning, I could feel the power of God going through this place. He has forgiven you of all your sins. He's washed you white as snow. He set you free like you've never been free before. He's alive. He's alive. We got one more test to go. The other morning we got up. She said, well, get up and get ready. We're going to get that good report. And that's what we come back with, a good report. You got a problem. You got a God inside you. You got people around you that knows how to pray. And God knows how to move and work. He's a mighty God. Mighty God. But he said, if the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, King James says, dwell. Jesus said, I once was a dead, but I'm alive. I'm alive forevermore. If you are a Christian, he's alive in your heart, in your inward spirit. He's living in there. This is his home. This is where he lives. Jesus said, I speak not of myself, but I only speak what the Father, in other words, the Spirit that abides in me. He does the work. No man can do the work. Those doctors in Houston told that man that our chemo or radiation had not done any good. What have you done? I said, I went by a church, and they prayed. You go back to that church. I didn't wonder if you'd have a doctor that believes in prayer. He tells you to go back to that church and no need no more medication from us. You go back to the church. You have them people to pray for you again and it will be gone because he's alive. No one knows us like Jesus knows us. He knows exactly what we have need of. He wants to be our friend. And Jesus in St. John 17 is called the high priestly prayer. He prayed for us. He said, the Father and I, will come and dwell in you. Aren't you glad the Father, the Holy Ghost, and Jesus are dwelling in you? The wonderful things of God. He said, as my Father and I are one, y'all will be one with us. What belongs to Christ belongs to us. What we have belongs to him. Our sins belong to him. Our sickness and our disease belong to him. And he knows what to do and how to do it. Jesus said, the Father is in me, dwelling in me. He does the work. The Spirit will dwell in you. 
and he will do the same work in you, through you, that he did in me. I'm glad I'm just now learning that. I wish I'd learned this a long time ago, that where he is, he's in us. Acts 3.15, the healing of a crippled man. And Jesus said, the prince of life, whom God have raised from the dead, verse 16, his name through faith, has made this man whole. Peter and him prayed at the gate called Beautiful. He said, it's not of our holiness. It's not of our education. But it was prayer, Brother Melvin, faith in that name, Jesus. Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus done the work. He says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If Jesus did it then, he'll do it today. If he did it today, he'll do it tomorrow. Because he's alive, and I'm alive forevermore. He sent a text message to her and said, I walked yesterday, I'm going to walk today, and I'm going to walk tomorrow. What Jesus did yesterday, he's still doing today. Because he's the greatest of the greatest. That's found in Acts 3.15. The Bible says all power in heaven and in earth is given to Jesus. And so it's given to us. I'm looking for great and mighty things to happen in the kingdom of God that we've never seen happen before. I believe we're on the verge. All you have to do is go up to one of these hospitals. All you have to do is drive through those parking lots and see the mass sicknesses in this world. It's ripe for readiness of God. Perform many miracles and forgive sin and set the captives free. He didn't say by few or by many. Nothing's too hard for God. Nothing is complicated with God. He knows all things. He has all things. He has all power to do what he says he will do. But if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead lives in you he's alive in us who raised up christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells or lives in you he's going to quicken your mortal body and that's not talking about the resurrection so this body, when it goes in the grave, it's going to stay there. It's going to turn to dust and ashes, and it's never coming out again. What's going to come out is your spirit. And join into a glorified body like unto Jesus Christ. This mortal body is this body that we're in today. It says mortal body. It's what it says, mortal body. The Holy Spirit will impart whatever power is needed. In our physical mortal bodies, in order that we may have victory in any and ever capacity of life. He wants to quicken our mortal body with his life. The word quicken means to make alive or to give life or cause to live. 
or to make live. He will fuse his spiritual life into our physical body, the mortal body. By the Spirit, David said, I did what? I ran through troops and did what? And I jumped over walls because the Spirit of the Lord quickened that mortal body. When Elijah said, go tell Ahab to get off of this mountain, I hear abundance of rain. Tell him to get gone. But he kept on praying. The abundance of rain came, and Elijah jumped up from there, overtook the chariot sharing, and outrun them because the Spirit of the Lord had quickened his mortal body. Somebody ought to say amen. Listen, God wants to quicken your mortal body this morning with his resurrection power that he gets in our lives. Acts 8, and said, In the Lord, after Philip had baptized the Ethiopian, the Spirit of the Lord picked him up and carried him to another country. You find that in Acts 8. How many believe that? The Lord can pick you up from where you are right now and take you to another country. Somebody said amen. Yes. Obadiah went and told Elijah and had a conversation with him. Elijah said, you go tell Ahab, I'll meet him here. Obadiah said, I'm not going to tell Ahab that you're going to meet him here. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord will pick you up and carry you somewhere else before he gets here. The Spirit of the Lord can quicken your mortal body and bring life like it's never known and felt before in your mortal flesh. Quicken your mortal body. Quicken you. As we already mentioned this morning, the power of Christ quicken those mortal bodies. By the Spirit of the Lord, Ezekiel saw dry bones come alive, quickening them and bringing life in their lives. Amen. I mentioned Sunday school class not too long ago. I was spraying around our place and spraying Roundup, and I, I just, I don't know why. The Spirit of the Lord came on me so strong, I went to running around and around the edge of that fence. I got out of breath. I thought I was going to fall down. I had to get a hold of the fence and hold on to the fence. I, I couldn't stop running. I had to hold on to the fence. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you, God can quicken your mortal body. The Spirit of God living in us is stronger than ourselves. It's stronger than anything that's against us. I turned to loose that fence, and I started running again, and I almost passed out before I could stop again. The Spirit of God is quicker our mortal bodies because He's alive and He's stronger than this mortal body. If He picked Elijah up from one place to another place to another place, how many believe He can pick you up and quicken your mortal body this morning? And bring life and breathe into that life in that motor body. I decree and declare, not just today, but at home, and Brother Ken says in the front of the mirror, I hold out my hand. I say, That's Peggy's hand. It's straight. Them toes is crooked and crossing over one another. She can't hardly walk. But I decree and declare. By the mortal power of Jesus Christ, those hands are straight. Those feet are straight. If God can raise the dead, God can quicken the mortal body and put life in it. Hallelujah. And make it alive for his testimony. Reading the man was born blind. 
They said, did the father do it? Did the mother do it? Did he do it? How could he do it? He's he, he just a baby. He's born blind. It was to show the glory and the power of God. The reason we have problems and trouble, it's not God punishing us. It's not that God's mad for us. It's not maybe we've done something wrong, but it's for the glory of God to be manifested in our mortal bodies. God healed that blind man. The wonderful things of God. Amen. Acts 14, verse 7 to 10. There was a crippled man sitting listening to Paul preach who had heard the word. It's important to hear the word. The word, faith comes how? By hearing what? The word. As he sat there, he was a cripple. And the Apostle Paul was preaching. The Bible said he was speaking the word. Well, the tailor said he heard Paul speak the word. He's a cripple. He never has walked. There he sits. He hears the word. And the Apostle Paul perceived in his spirit because Christ was living in him. The same Christ that asked the men, said, why y'all debating who's going to be on the right and who's going to be on the left? He discerned their spirits. And here the Apostle Paul discerned the spirit of the crippled man has just received faith to be healed. Because the Spirit is one that gives the utterance. And it gave the Apostle Paul utterance to speak out loud and tell the crippled man, rise to your feet and walk. And the crippled man heard that in his spirit. The Word of God is spirit. And it has to be received in the spirit. And when he said, rise to your feet and walk, that Word was stronger than his crippleness and his mortal body and the power of God quickened his mortal bodies, and he didn't walk. He jumped up, leaped up, because God's glory and power was greater in him than what his crippleness was. He was quickening your mortal body. There's none like Jesus. None like Jesus. Napoleon said, not before or after has there ever been anyone like Jesus. Looking only to Jesus. Amen? Look only for Jesus. When you pray, pray for Jesus to do the work. Because he's the one that does the work. So the man leaped as Paul was speaking. Because God healed him. Faith and spirit quickened the crippled man's mortal body. Jesus said in Matthew 13, Jesus said these words, He that have it shall have more. When you hear the word of God and it gets in your heart, it will produce more than what you can imagine. What you can imagine. Acts 16 and 5 said the church was established in faith and increased daily. Verse 9 says, Paul was given night visions. Chapter 15, verse 20, 20, 22 said, There were chosen men and chief men because of the Spirit of God, which quickened them, their spirit, and their mortal man. 
I want to share a story with you, and then we're going to close. They share too. There was this young pastor, him and his wife in India, very poor. The land they lived on was very poor. They built just a little hut for them to live in. The villages around just barely survived. But next to this pastor's land, the next door was a very wealthy man. He owned huge farms and thousands of cattle. He had many different crops and sold milk, vegetables to the village people. But he was so greedy, he charged so much they could hardly afford to buy it. They couldn't afford it. How many believe that God's alive? He's not on no vacation. One day, ten cows shows up at this pastor's little hut. Ten cows just show up. You say, well, Brother Billy, why did they do that? I don't know. They tell us, or the whales swallowed Jonah. Whales didn't swim in that territory. They were not. That was not their natural habitat in that territory. Can't you believe that one day God told the whales, and now listen, they're going to throw my prophet overboard, and he's going to need a way out. I want him to go to Nineveh, and I want you to be there when they throw him overboard, and I want you to catch him. Okay? If God can tell a raven an unclean spirit, I got a man down under the brook just drinking water. I want you to go to Rahab's table, and I want you to take meat off that table three times a day and bring it to my prophet. I mean, know that God can cause ten cows to show up. Hmm? Everything God creates listens to him and obeys. Baal was riding his donkey. Now, I tell you, this would be a sober waking of fact when you're riding a donkey and he starts talking to you. Huh? Why are you hitting me? I've been so faithful to you and you hit me. I just saved your life. An angel fixing to cut your head off. But God caused that glory to God. God could have spoke to the prophet, but he chose a donkey. His ways is far beyond our understanding how we can understand. His ways is past human mind finding out. I believe a donkey talked to me. I believe I'd just pass out. I don't believe I'd hit him, you know. My goodness. These ten cows just show up. The pastor got some villagers around, and they carried them ten cows back home. A few days again, them ten cows shows back up. Day after day, they repeated this. And them ten cows just kept coming back. Kept coming back. One day the rich man sent his servant over there and told him, said, them cows seem to like it over here better than they do at my house. Our owner says they're yours. Oh, glory to God. I want you to get ready. God is going to work a miracle in your life. You don't believe it's possible. He's not asleep. He's not on a journey. He doesn't show no partiality. He has no favoritism. He's a God. The Bible says that he, he shows favor to the righteous. For the those that's righteous, walk upright before him. He shows favor to them. And it also so no good thing will be helped from those that walk upright with him and please him. 
So the pastor got some villagers together. They began to milk them cows, ten of them, churning butter. Began to sell it throughout the, the villages with a reasonable price. He began to make money. One day the rich man came over and said, um, you put me out of business. You put my dairy products out of business. Would you come over and run my business for me? He said, I sure will. Time goes by. Time the rich man came back to him and said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell this, all these cows and everything to you. And I'm going to sell my dairy equipment and everything to you. I'm going to sell it to you at the very minimum price. Just, just like giving it to you. And he said, okay. Isn't that a magnificent story what God does? Just have ten cows to show up. You take them back home, and they come back again. You take them back home, and they come back again. Because they was under the influence of their mortal body under the Spirit of God. He's a mighty miracle-working God. Miracle-working God. Tell you one more story, and then we're going to go home. I'm going to close my book where I'll do it. Joel Osteen them needed a bigger facility. They looked at the baseball field where the baseball players has moved away and built them a new facility. They couldn't buy it because it was too much, too much money. They couldn't afford it. So they signed a 65-year lease on the building, renovated it. Him and Victoria just constantly driving by the building, claiming it, decreeing what all they was going to do. Seven years later, seven years later. What I'm trying to explain to you is that God is alive and he's a-working. He's a-working among people. He's not asleep. He's alive inside of us. The city came to him and said, we're having a shortfall. We're going to have to sell the building for $400 million. We're not going to take nothing less than $400 million because we've got a shortfall. We've got to have the money. We've got to have it. God provided them $300,700,000 to buy that building, debt-free. What I'm saying this morning, your God's alive. He can help your finances, too. He can help you in the worst crisis in the world. If he helped that guy in India, he can help you. Not only he can, he will. The wonderful power of God is alive. Jesus, I think Sister Sue might have the book, The Richest Man in the World. You have that book? Yeah, The Richest Man in the World. Who is the richest man in the world? I've seen the other day with the governor of New York, I believe it is, he's worth $43 billion. Bill Gates and uh, Warren Buffett own up in the 80 or maybe 100 billions. They're among the top 10 richest people in the world. How I many know that all the money in the world belongs to God? The devil doesn't stole what I was going to say.
God is mindful of his people and what he wants you to have. The wonderful, miracle-working power of God is alive. There's another book by the same author. It's called The Greatest Man Who Ever Lived. Both of them by the same author. Who is the greatest man, these, these writers, who is the greatest man that ever lived, according to these writers? Jesus. Who is the richest man ever lived? It's not Warren Buffett. It's not Bill Gates. It's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He owns all the gold and all the silver. He owns all the cattle. Now, them ten cows, that farmer might have thought he owned them ten cows, but they belong to God. And God looked down. He said, I'll give them to that farmer, but it's time for this man over here to have them now. He puts up and he takes down. He puts people in position. He takes people out of position because he's God. So he can take something from over here and bring it over here because he is the greatest man that's ever lived on the face of this earth. And he is still living today. He's the only one that's ever died and got out of the grave. You say, well, Lazarus did, but Lazarus went back. He's still in there. They've talked about David being so great in the book of Acts, how great he was, great. But one of the apostles said, yeah, but i go show you where his grave is. He's still in the grave, but you can't show us where the grave of Jesus is because it's empty. You may go look at the empty tomb, but you can't tell where he is because he's everywhere. He's everywhere. God bless you for being here today. If you need prayer, we're going to pray with you before you go. We're looking for a miracle to work in your life. God supplies all of your needs according to his riches and glory. God don't have no shortfalls. Hmm? If you don't need prayer, we'll dismiss and you can go home. But I want you to expect, Peggy, you want to say something? One more test, but we know it's good, right? We, we, we know it's good, amen? They're just using a little precaution to make her feel better. Seeing all them pictures, there's nothing wrong. Amen. We're going to pray for her. Why don't you reach your hand down here and just put, we're going to pray, and somebody else needs, we're going to pray for you. The little old boy said, Papa, why don't you get up and let's go home now. Glory to God. They, the man went by the church, and they prayed, and God healed the cancer. We're going to heal this this morning, God. God's going to heal this this morning if we pray. God hears our prayers, and he answers our prayers. Ask, seek, and knock, and he receives. He answers, God. He answers. He gives when we pray, God. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for this, Lord. We thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God. We praise you for all the wonderful things you're doing in our lives, God. We thank you for your glory and grace and righteousness and holiness, oh, God. We praise you this day, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and kindness, God. We thank you for the good report, God. We thank you for the good news, God. Your gospel is good news to all mankind, God. I praise thee, O oh God, the wonderful blessings of God. Oh, Lord, hallelujah, Lord. 
Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for the blessings of God in Jesus' holy name. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Praise God, praise God. Amen. Amen. May you have the greatest week you've ever had in your life. Christ in you is alive, the hope of glory. In Jesus' name.